Lights out, and away we are. Welcome to No Breaks, a Formula One podcast from the No Dunks, Inc. Classic Factory, proudly a part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Whether you're joining us live in the Slipstream team here on YouTube or listening to the podcast later, thank you very much. I'm your host, Trey Kirby, and I'm joined today by our local F1 expert and a man who loves the Spanish version of Monster Mash, Graydon Gordian. <laughs> What's up? What's up, F1 sickos? It's a banger. I didn't... I had never heard it before last night in which, you know, I was playing some music Very on spooky. our front porch, spooky music, and I unben- accidentally, I had picked the Halloween Fiesta Spotify l- l- playlist, which I didn't realize just meant I had picked a Spanish Halloween playlist. <laughs> I actually oh, didn't realize sure. that when I just absentmindedly selected it, and I was like, why are there so many like like Spanish songs <laughs> on this alley? But then once it got to the Spanish version of Monster Mesh, I realized it was fire. Yeah. yeah, I looked it up after you tweeted the link to it. It is fire. It's good. Yep. I mean, Monster it's, Mash I is think... the number one most listened to song in my household year after year. We're going to work this one into the mix. I, I mean, hot take, I was like, because I understand Monster Mash is obviously a masterpiece. But I was like, this is good. I mean, this is on at least on its level. I mean, it's, 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 it's a very high quality song. Very high quality song. We've also got a very high quality team principal on the pit walls making the right calls. JD, what's up, man? Hello, guys. Hi. Did you check out the Spanish language version of the Monster Mash? Well, I heard it while you were playing it here (laughs) in the factory, and I was really enjoying it. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. It was great. Terrible. (laughs) It's my favorite. It's good. Anyways, we're here to recap everything from the Mexican Grand Prix. It took place over the weekend, and we're going to start by getting into things pretty quickly here and looking at the points finishers. Here is your top 10 from Mexico, or should I say Mexico? So good. Max Verstappen. Talk about Terrible. (laughs) Hey, man. Hey. I got no comebacks in Spanish, unfortunately. Uh. It's been a long time since (laughs) since I tried to master the language. Anyways, Max Verstappen, he won. What a shocker. He always wins in Mexico. Second place on the podium, though, goes to Lewis Hamilton, started second, finished second, and Sergio Perez came in third for Red Bull, rounding out the podium. Rest of the point scorers go Russell in P4, followed by Sainz and Leclerc in P5 and P6. We've got Daniel Ricciardo in P7, had a nice drive. Esteban Ocon in eighth, Lando Norris in ninth, and Valtteri Bottas (coughs) taking home points for Alfa Romeo there. In number 10, my first question for you, Graydon, did anything interesting happen in this race? <laughs> I think there were like 2.5 interesting okay, things okay, in the good. race. I mean, there, this was – I don't think we need to uh, we need to kid our, our loyal listeners here and pretend that this was the best race of the season. It was arguably the, the, the least interesting race yes, of the yes, season. Yes, I mean, yes. coming out of lap one, end of sector one – Max is in first, Lewis is in second, Perez is in third, Russell was in fourth, Carlos is in fifth, Charles is in sixth. And oh, wow. we proceeded we case. proceeded to basically have that for the remainder of the race. Like yes, for the yes. remainder of the race. You know, with with you know, the the exception being, you know, the little the little you know, the moment mid race where people pitted and they, right. they reshuffled for a bit, but once everybody had gone through their one pit stop, you know, that was it was it. It was a done bet, which was a little – I'm going to even go so far as to say a little disappointing because the Pirelli had been predicting that you might have seen a lot of variance in tire strategy. And there were sure. a couple of two-stop options. There were you know long-running one-stop options. What people were going to do was, was pretty uncertain. And you saw people do different 
one-stop strategies, but none of them really made much of a difference in the end. It's like I get Lewis and Russell both were complaining about the hards being slower, but in actuality, Lewis was just fine in front of Perez the whole time, and Russell probably would have never caught Perez on the on you know if he had run long and then gone to softs. I mean, maybe he would have. I don't know that a different strategy from Lewis would have helped him overtake Max. I really just don't believe that. Like yeah, I, you know, it's like same. I don't. I it just I don't know that there was much like much you could have done differently. What was interesting. I mean, first of all, the the guy who saved the day of the race and made even just the the teensiest bit of drama was Daniel Ricciardo. Oh yeah, big time. Who had a great drive right after after kind of knocking out, you know, after <laughs> yeah, kind of you know cool. knocking out Sonoda Mario Kart style, like you know d- proceeded to pull a, a, a classic Daniel Ricciardo, which is get a penalty and then drive his way out of the penalty, which was awesome to see and was at least some drama in the end, which is like, can he do it? Can he build a 10-second gap? <laughs> I was thinking, can he build a 10-second gap to stay in the points, not can he build a 10-second gap to the guy behind sure. him, which was – he drove the wheels off that thing. That was fun. Yeah, he drove the wheels off it. An eventful day, like you're saying, he started 11th. Uh, had the crash with Tsunoda. Once again, a car went airborne. That's happening every time we have a crash in Formula One now. The car has to have at least a couple of wheels uh, up off the ground. But he did get the 10-second penalty, but still finished in P7. Had a great moment when he's wagging his finger at the car he's coming to overtake from behind him. I couldn't really tell who the car was that he was finger-wagging at, but still. Uh, thankfully, Daniel Ricardo brought some flavor to the track, and... Was competing out there because, like you're saying, this ended up being a dominant victory for Verstappen. He won by 15 seconds in the end. Set the record for most wins in a season with 14. Also the most points in a season. More than Lewis Hamilton had, I think, in 2019 or something like that. This is also the ninth straight win for Red Bull. And like you're saying, they had Russell and Hamilton on hard tires at the end, hoping that Max's tires would fall off, I suppose. They never did. And at this point, I'm just thinking... The only way that Lewis Hamilton gets a win this season is if Max doesn't finish. There's no way he's going to beat him on speed or strategy, really, at this point. That feels right to me in the sense that I don't think that either of the remaining tracks meaningfully favor the Mercedes. This actually probably was the best track for Mercedes of the remainder of the year. And we saw that. Mm-hmm. I mean, we saw that. They they did look really fast out there. And they absolutely spanked the Ferraris who were who were a, a total non factor. You know what I mean? So that so that was so that was great for them. And but that was also to be expected. So many of the conditions of Mexico, you know, the thin air and things like that. And then the way that Mercedes has struggled with drag at times, th- those things combined to make it uh, a best case scenario for them. And I do think that's what we got, which was a best-case scenario. You know, maybe they could have had two guys on the podium if Russell had gotten a better start. Mm -hmm. He had a pretty conservative run down to the opening corner. He broke pretty early. He was pretty focused on just not making contact, it seemed, and making it out of there, you know, in one piece. And that cost him in the end. But, you know, that, you know, beyond that, I think, yeah, you're probably right. I think Max has got to make an error. Or they've got to have a reliability issue or mm-hmm. somebody's got to hit him. I don't know. I mean, it's got like something. 
for somebody else to win. Well, think, like, even in Japan that we just watched, he had a 15-second pit stop that put him far behind Hamilton and still ended up winning uh, by five seconds, running away there as well. But you mentioned it, P2 for Lewis Hamilton, P4 for George Russell. Meanwhile, your Ferrari guys finished in P5 for Carlos Sainz, P6 for Leclerc. The worst thing you can hear after a race, I think, sometimes in Formula One is that it was lonely, and that's what it felt like. For oh, Ferrari. that's I, yeah, They're I think just like, driving out there by themselves. Oh, the, and it's not even that they finished fifth and sixth. They were Carlos was thirty seconds behind Russell until Russell pitted for the fastest uh-huh. lap. But you know, a true thirty seconds until Russell made an extra pit stop, and then. Charles was 40 plus seconds in front of the guy behind him. I mean, they were, it's the longest, I think that pit straight is the one of, if not the longest straights in F1. And you couldn't see a guy on a car on either side of it for them. They were out, they truly were out there alone in, in just going around in circles. Um, A really unremarkable day for them. They struggled all weekend, to be honest. It wasn't just um, that I think they, the, the course wasn't, well suited to them and that they kind of flubbed it i mean charles was struggling with some engine issues and qualifying and then just in general i think the it it, it sounds like from what i've read the the engine itself the ferrari engine just did not deal well with the unique conditions of the elevation which it's operating that's i think a huge hidden factor is how well is the engine set up going to adjust to the thin air up there and i think ferrari did easily the worst job mm. uh with that you know with those setup alterations and it cost them big time you know they were totally uh totally out of contention for the podium not yeah. even a consideration both mercedes drivers outpointed both ferrari drivers so now we've got a 40 point gap ferrari leads mercedes in p2 from mercedes in p3 and the constructors championship there's only two races left is it possible Mercedes catches Ferrari for second? It's definitely possible. The only reason I say they're not going to do it, even if Mercedes outperforms Ferrari down the stretch, is that it's not about the 30-second gap that we saw between Carlos and Russell. It's about the 40-second gap we saw behind Charles, Mm -hmm. which is that those three teams are so overwhelmingly the top three teams, just as long as Carlos and Charles don't bin the cars, which, you know, is admittedly a it's big happened. if, you know, has happened, <laughs> you know, they'll, you know, they're, they're, you know, borderline a lock for fifth and sixth and still will be very competitive for podiums in both races. It's hard to, I think it's tough to imagine them making up the 40 point gap, but it's, it's not like mathematically impossible. I just think it's, it, it, which is the car that's going to finish ahead of them from the rest of the field, right? you know? Yeah, they they were Mercedes would need some good luck from Verstappen losing for Lewis Hamilton to get a win and some bad luck uh from Ferrari to to take over P2. I would say probably the other star from the weekend, Sergio Perez's dad. Oh. He was celebrating like crazy Legend. down there in Mexico and his son had quite the race. Started fourth Finished third, good enough to bump him into P2 in the Drivers' Championship. And I love that F1 released a Sergio Perez's dad cut of Red Bull celebrating, <laughs> just focusing yeah. in on him going crazy. Uh, we need a, a time full, you know, like on F1 TV, you can like go to each of the drivers. We should have like a Sergio dad cam, dad cam. where you could just watch <laughs> Sergio's dad like it. in the corner for the full length of the race. I think that's a great idea. Yeah, to me, big star of the weekend, uh, Papa Perez. And shout out to Sergio 
moving into P2 uh, in the Drivers' Championship as well. No surprise that Red Bull is yeah. smashing it in the Constructors' Championship. I would have thought, you know, originally I, – I, I would have probably earlier this season pretty confidently predicted that even when the title was slipping away from Charles or the, the title battle was getting away from him that he would still confidently come in P2. Mm-hmm. And I still think he's probably been – the second best driver out there consistently but the reality is is that the red bull is so strong and perez is really wrapping his arms around it i think he's getting good solid results out of it in singapore some of these podiums he's getting you know that you know he's he's at this point he's probably the favorite to np2 i think think. you know it's like i think you know charles can definitely do it it's like you mm-hmm. know he absolutely can outdrive sergio on any given day you know there yeah. uh so it's not that i think it'll be tight but the red bull just looks in another class from the ferrari Too right strong. now you know yeah. so it's like so it, 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 i don't i don't know if he'll i don't know if charles it doesn't even matter if you if how well he drives it might just not matter yeah so. it might not matter and paris has honestly had a pretty solid second half of the season for sure after a, a slow first chunk i would say last two notaroos i got from this one fernando alonso another dnf <sighs> for him fifth Brutal. of the season mostly for mechanical issues uh with daniel ricardo having a solid day finishing p7 norris i think was p9 a lot of points for mclaren so now Alpine's lead is just seven points over McLaren for P4 and the Constructors. And we had a little crash between Lance Stroll and Pierre Gasly. Gasly forces Stroll off the track. He got a five-second penalty, and that's a problem because he's now one point away from a race ban, and his points don't come off of his until, like until May or something yeah. next year. So he's got a, he's got that hanging over his head all next year. I wonder if you're Gasly because you're going to a new team – do you like purposefully do something to like get a point and then get banned while you're with Alpha Tauri? <laughs> I got to sit out like, the Abu Dhabi race. Yeah, what if yeah. you like what if you like purposefully did something crazy in Brazil so you get banned for Abu Dhabi and not with your new team next year? I think do it. Honestly, I, mean, I think I, do it. They'll they'll bring in their driver. Their their driver replacing him. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just Logan saying Logan Sargent, is that the guy? The, yeah, that's That's replacing wait, uh Gasly at AlphaTauri, is that right? Wait, wait, wait. No, no, no. Nick DeVries. Nick DeVries. Is. Okay, Nick DeVries. Right, is. Logan right. Sargent's going to Williams. Uh, right, there. Right. The, the. Yeah, I'm just. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if he would ever admit to doing that. Like, you would never want to admit to doing something dangerous on yeah. track that would get you a point. But like, you probably want to burn down those points before next season when point. you when you have a whole new team and cost your new team a race with you in the seat. I don't know. That's what I would think. Yeah, that's um, actually – that's a pretty smart point, and he seems to be pretty upset with the way things are going with the stewards because he also got, uh, got in trouble, remember, when they had the rescue equipment on the track yeah. during the rain, and they said, hey, man, slow down. <laughs> that that was that one was he probably has more re- that's probably has a more legit gripe than this one yeah. which I yeah. think was you know probably a well deserved <laughs> yes. penalty this one was earned yeah but the, he's still mad about the last yeah one, still so, a yeah. well deserved penalty uh, the other thing you mentioned there Alonzo yeah just brutal I think that's his third DNF in the last five races yeah, in particular so and yet another one where I think he the other ones are two sevens though he was running seventh. Excuse me. It's like his last five races are he's gotten seventh twice, and then he's had uh, three DNFs. And then in multiple of those races, he was running seventh. Um, And included in those sevenths is the fact that his 
seventh grid spot was reinstated from the United States Grand Prix. <laughs> we discussed yeah, last yeah. week, and I, I, I think I referred to it as bullshit, and in the end, they rescinded it. Although not for the reasons, really on a technicality, not for the reasons that I felt they should have. But doesn't matter, whatever. Being technically right is... You know, the best form of being right. So, the, <laughs> yeah, but oh, the, totally, totally. The, 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 I don't know, it's, it's brutal because he has actually, I think, probably showing himself how often he's running in seventh to be the best of the rest. That's true. I think he probably looks like week in, week out. You could make the case that he's the best driver on the grid who's not among the top three teams in terms of what he's getting out of the car, and it is not showing up in the standings. I mean, yeah. it's just not, right? You know, So that uh, that sucks for him because he is having, a, I think, a deceptively terrific year. Oh, no doubt about it. I think he said that he's lost 70 points due to mechanical uh, DNFs, which, you know, he wouldn't have much control on. And if that's true and if that's accurate he would be sitting in seventh pretty comfortably ahead of lando norris there uh but that's all i got from the mexican grand prix last thing we got to do is give out our full beans driver of the weekend awards where are you going on this one graden for me i'm going danny rick danny rick? i think danny's nice. the guy i mean listen it, it you know uh, uh the sonoda incident aside i just thought what he did was terrific with the you know with his driving in the last you know 20 laps it was that was the danny of old that was what people love to see uh it's the sort of aggressiveness it's the overtaking ability it's the sort of um sort of like you know owning it yourself it's like you know the the idea that he made a mistake and then he owned that mistake and put it on his own shoulders and then made the best of it and like transcended that it's like that is that's the danny rick that people used to know and love and got him to the status that he has in the sport. So it was awesome to see that and him have a moment like that in the last couple races of the season. Yeah, nice little reminder that he's still got the talent if he he might not be on the grid uh, next season. I had a feeling you would take Daniel Ricciardo, so my full beans driver of the weekend's got to be Nora because I know she made that Trace Light Chase cake. Yeah. And it came here on Monday, and it was still a delicious breakfast cake. So big shout-out to Nora for Trace Light Chase. Yeah, it was fantastic. Nora and I, I I mean I went back I had some after my lunch yesterday I had like a dessert I never have like a dessert lunch on a Monday but I was like <laughs> I've got some trace leches cake in I my never have fridge a dessert lunch on a Monday I mean who ha- I mean at first of all I don't really True. eat dessert at lunch probably period not that often eh, not that often fair enough not not like yeah. in a day maybe like on vacation or something you're not like in a day to day but I was like I got some trace leches in the fridge Let's get it out. Exactly. You could Let's eat it there. for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. It's one of the most versatile cakes, I think. So You're that's right. why she's a uh, full beans driver of the weekend. It's a it's a breakfast. It could be a good breakfast. It's milk. Cake. It's like eating cereal. Yeah, that's a great point. It is like eating cereal. How about those uh those taquitos? I want to hear a little about. Oh, the taquitos, taquitos were terrific. Well, because Nora had said, and we went over to you know Skeets and Nora's place and uh with the kids, and they were for the race. Which one note about that? I was laughing with Skeets that the race was so boring because every, without exception, every single race I've ever watched with a friend, super boring Super race. boring. I've never gotten together with somebody and then witnessed an exciting race. It is a surefire proof that the race is going to be lame. But, okay, so she said, Nora was like, I'm making taquitos. And I was like, okay. And in my mind, I was like, 
I don't know. I, I only think of taquitos as like cheap college food. They like heat up in the yard, but she made exactly, yeah. like homemade taquitos with like you know like pulled chicken that she had made, kind of in like a crock pot or something, and like like nice like fresh corn tortillas. They were delicious. She nailed it. I mean, Nora always nails it. On the oh, of course, pot. yeah. I don't. I don't want to hand roll my own taquitos, but I would love to eat Nora's hand rolled taquitos. <laughs> they were delicious. They were delicious. They were delicious. All right. See you next year. See you next yeah, year for get the next Get, on, get on over. Get yeah. on over here, folks. That's all we got from Formula One. But in other racing news, we've got another thing to talk about racing-wise. Because this weekend, Ross Chastain, a NASCAR driver, pulled a video game move to make it into the NASCAR Championship 4. They got one race in Phoenix. And here he is just sending it down the wall. I guess he made up five places in the course of two turns, which then sent him on to to be able to race for the championship coming up this next coming weekend. You listen to the onboards of all the other drivers and of Ross Chastain, and they are in awe that he pulled this off and that it actually worked. Yeah, they think it's like the coolest thing that's ever happened. They're they're like, it's incredible. I've never seen anything like that. And yeah, they're right. It's awesome. Yeah, it is What a cool (laughs) move. Like, what an awesome (laughs) idea. Can't believe he tried it. I can't believe it worked. It's sick. Yeah, way to go, like, man! The video, <laughs> the version of the video I saw at one point had 7.7 million views. It's hard to go viral with a racing clip, and this is just like seven seconds. And look how fast he's going! How does this work? How does I, this possibly work? I mean, I guess it's just like the physics of it. I mean, yeah, I gotta think it's actually a little bit hard to control the car because he's also full sending it, right? Yeah. I mean, the idea is that he's not really. He's just given it full bean through the corner oh, yeah. rather than managing it through the corner and using the wall to tur- I gotta imagine it's actually a little bit hard to control the yeah. car or a lot hard yeah I, I I would know I've never tried to pull a move like that <laughs> yeah usually when I hit the wall I'm going away from it right away yeah yeah, 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 yeah. not keeping it on there but no for sure his car wasn't completely destroyed though like it looked okay I guess you know it. The NASCAR rubbing is racing, my friends. Rubbing is racing. They, have, they get out there and they like to throw their elbows around. I and he does give the guy in front of him a little love tap, love tap on yep. his way over yep. the line. So they, I, that's just awesome. Yeah, that's very cool. cool. That's very cool. That was a good. That was solid. So. Yeah, drivers were amazed that it worked. It seemed like a lot of teams hated it and were like, "Is this even legal?" So then NASCAR's like, "Yes, this is legal. We've done it legal for 35 races. It will be legal next week." For the championship, but after that, it might be illegal. Yeah, it might be illegal. Because we can't have people just driving on the walls the entire time. The Maybe not. The best part is the guy just doing it in the first yeah. place and referencing, I think, referencing his, like, love of racing video games growing up and, like, wanting to try it. But the second best part, as you mentioned, is the other drivers. Because sometimes I see things and I think – oh, wow, that's really cool, or that's a cool sport moment, or that's impressive. But, like, I could never do any of this stuff. Sure. I mean, all the sports we watch, all, all the stuff we are into, I could never pull off any of this stuff. And all these – but the drivers being like, this is incredible. I've never seen anything like this. <sighs> is is great. Is great. It's like it make it, it – I don't know. It validates the awe that we have for yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely right. Um, and we're going to see it more because it worked, it looked cool, and all the other drivers thought it was cool Next as week, well. Next going over the line. Everybody yeah, just they're all gonna do it. the wall. They're like, we don't know it. if we'll be able to pull it off next year. It might be illegal next year, so everybody has to Go try it, it in Phoenix. Uh, yeah, even my dad texted me about that. He's like, you got to look up this video game ending. I'm like, what are you talking about, dad? You know nothing about video games. But Is even your dad a NASCAR guy? 
My dad is a little bit of a NASCAR guy. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Mo- moderate NASCAR guy, you know. Anything, any sport can go on the TV on a Sunday. I would say that. Is it? Is it? Is okay. So, follow up question: Is NASCAR just one of the any sports that could make its way there, or would he like know the names of the major mm, people mm. in it? Great question. Uh, circa the '90s, he would know the names. I think he sure. would probably be like 50-50 these days. Yeah. He always picks his favorite NASCAR driver by whoever is driving the cornflakes car. I, 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 I think that's it a was Terry perf- Labonte for the longest time that's driving a, perfect, a cornflakes car. A perfectly good reason <laughs> yeah. to, to pick someone. I my favorite driver is the guy who drives the Bush's Beans yeah, car. Me too. I don't obviously. even know his yeah. name, but I mean, yeah. I tell you, he's my favorite. I'm yeah. rooting for him. Probably Beans Bush. Every guy's name is Bush. In, <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're in NASCAR. They're all Bushes. Yeah, they're all Bush. Anyways, we just talked about two different racing promotions. When we come back, we're going to answer some emails from listeners. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Back with no breaks, going to answer some questions that we've gotten over the past couple of weeks. That's right, we're going beach stepping. Oh, yeah. No better place to read your emails than on the beach. Turn your screen brightness up. First email comes to us from PJ in Portland, Oregon. Says, hi guys, love the show. I've been wondering this season why AlphaTauri is allowed to exist in Formula One because they're so bad. Just kidding. The death of Dietrich Mateschitz highlighted just how absurd their arrangement with Red Bull is. AlphaTauri is basically a feeder for one of the top contenders in a sport with extremely limited slots for teams. Just 10 teams, that's it. Can you think of any other major sport where an owner could own two teams and essentially use one of them to dilute competition and serve as an affiliate? Imagine if Steve Cohen decided to buy the Braves and then turned them into a subpar team to develop players for the Mets. Imagine and that. Also weaken the division. It would completely be the other way around. No, that I think that is how. It would I, go. Yeah, the Mets are the subpar team, but there would be a huge uproar if the MLB even let that happen. So why is it allowed in Formula One? Looking forward to hearing your thoughts. Thanks. That's PJ. Well, what do you think? Two. Well, a couple follow-up questions to PJ's question, which is, are there? Most American sports, you cannot own – I mean most, all of the major American sports, you cannot own multiple franchises. Right, yeah. And there's even been instances of that where maybe people have had to like divest from a minority stake in one team because they were yeah, buying yeah. another or whatever. Um, and that um, – so what – I <sighs> – they even made – remember Michael Jordan was like a part owner of the Wizards, and then when he made his comeback, I remember – people say he played for the Wizards. I don't I don't remember ever seeing it happen, but I know that <laughs> they say when he came back, he had to divest his ownership stake in that team so he could actually go and play for that team. 
But Formula One is way different. Like it is, it is structured oh, like, differently. I also think it's I weird mean, that Toto Wolf can be the agent for drivers who are on other teams. Oh yeah, and Toto Wolf, by the way, was I think did. Maybe I'm wrong about this, but I'm, I'm, I want to say once upon a time was a minority owner of the Williams team or like had okay. some stake in Williams. But I believe he sold it when he took the principal spot in in the new Mercedes team and things like that. So I, I don't think he ever did that. But clearly they have a close relationship. And you're right. He is an agent for like guys for competitive teams, which, again, weird that even a team principal is an agent. Like what if yeah. like – I don't know. Like what if – I, I mean uh, – I don't know. What like what if Greg Popovich was Giannis Antetokounmpo's agent, also weird, yeah. while also being like, yeah, that would be strange. Yeah, just go play for the Bucks for a while, get your I skills up, and then come play for the Spurs eventually. The reality is, is, is that the entrants into the sport are not franchises, right? They are like corporate. They are like businesses that o- operate differently, and then the to- the all the the legal relationship that they have with Formula One and with the FIA is totally different than teams in a league in an, in an American sense. So that's kind of why why it's it does occur should it be allowed to occur i mean i think the reality is is 10 teams shouldn't be the cap it hasn't always been the cap there have been times where there have been more teams and there has been discussion of expanding the expanding the series again to 11 12 i've heard people float even the idea of up to 14 teams so you know maybe we will see new entrants into it i do agree that it's it's probably not ideal, you know. Uh, they always make the claim that they that AlphaTauri operates <laughs> independently, yeah, sure. but that's obviously sure they, yeah, sure. that's that's obviously a bit of a stretch. Yeah, you could tell when they were sending Gasly down to Toro Rosso at the time, and then bringing up the Toro yeah. Rosso driver to drive for Red Bull. That's and also like, the fact that their names are the same words, just in different languages. Yeah. Not yeah, anymore, yeah, yeah. but they were. They were. They were. That was a, an especially <laughs> – when it was just Toro Rosso and it just was like, come on. Red Bull in Italian, <laughs> especially great. That was an especially great moment. Um, th- wait, are there any – is there any league, like a foreign league, a non-American thing? Like what about in soccer? Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know that well enough, but – Like the, in, thing, the, the question, Red Bull owns multiple soccer teams. Sure. They own Leipzig, and then they own the New York Red Bulls, right? I believe they <laughs> I own. The... I don't know, man. I Come don't on, know. you know, you don't know. You're what, not a big, Red you're Bull not a big competitive, competitive sky jumpers. They own one guy who jumps from the stratosphere, yeah, and one guy from the atmosphere. Point. Great point about that. My They've question got... more so is: obviously, this is okay in Formula One that Red Bull has a team and basically has a feeder team. Why don't other teams do it? Why doesn't Ferrari have a junior team? Why doesn't Mercedes have I mean, a junior team? You say that, but like for all intents and purposes, they do. They have their Every little other fiefdoms. Team. I mean, you know, uh, the Alfa Romeo and Haas, both as customer teams for Ferrari, basically function as feeder teams, you know, for that. There was certainly, I mean, you saw when Charles Leclerc yeah. came up from Alfa Romeo to Ferrari, Kimi went down from Ferrari to Alfa Romeo. It wasn't, that wasn't as clean as the Albon Gasly swap. Those were kind of independent decisions, True. but they, they, there was a reason that that happened so effortlessly. Williams is certainly a pipeline up to the Mercedes drive. Sure. You know, that it's, it's, are those relationships as close as AlphaTauri and Red Bull? No, they're not. But 
they're part of their spheres of influence for sure. So I think that's just, I mean, part of the sport. I mean, I, I will say one thing is, is that it's really hard financially to operate as a lower tier team. Sure. This is a tough sport to be in the bottom five. So while I get the frustration, I get the cynicism towards it, it's also arguably a good thing that a team like AlphaTauri has the financial backstop of the entire Red Bull organization supporting it. It Otherwise, you know, it would probably be uh, – this would be a far more tumultuous season mm-hmm. for them because, like, the bath they're about to take financially would be – would hurt a lot more. Fair enough. Next email comes from Ty in Brisbane, Queensland, Australia, who says, G'day, speedy boys. I noticed that you use the Clipper Bros drop to end every No Breaks podcast and thought it would be more appropriate to use an F1 one-liner instead, which leads to my question to you. What are your favorite and or memorable Formula One quotes or one-liners, whether it's from radio communications, interviews, or even commentary? Stay safe. That's from Ty. Okay, so, and we're saying in addition to that time Martin Brundle said, is this going to be a Boulevard Boulevard of Broken (laughs) Dreams to Drake Cool? So separate, aside from that, obviously, the greatest line in the history of F1. What's the second best? Yeah, number two. I mean, I think there's a bunch out there. So, I mean, for me, I think immediately who comes to mind, Kimi Raikkonen, right? I mean, the... The famous "Leave Me Alone" clip is a great one. Uh, I th- I, th- I think we might have a couple of these clips. I don't know if we've got this guy uh, queued up, but "Leave Me Alone," I know what I'm doing. Um, Leave me alone, I know what <laughs> back in his Lotus days, in which he ended up, I think, going on to win that race. He would he was running second behind Lewis Hamilton, but Lewis uh, had a I believe an engine failure. He didn't know what Yeah, and it, so but and that's why he said, "Just leave me alone. I know what I'm doing." Uh, Kimmy is one of the great quote masters because he also has what for me is 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 one of the great quotes of all time, which is is him just screaming, "Steering wheel, <laughs> steering wheel, gloves, steering wheel, give me the steering wheel." Um, Another steering wheel. Steering wheel, yeah. <laughs> uh, I guess because they're pushing him down the track and, and he he doesn't have either of the things he needs. It's it's great. Okay. It kind of sounds to me like an old-timey guy on a boardwalk. Give me the steering wheel. Well, he just uh, – <laughs> I guess he just hey, was just like so help, famously – he doesn't talk. No, so famously distant yeah. with the media that his – but he had these more unfiltered – moments in the car that's the true kimmy and he also just makes for such awkward like abrasive quotes yeah okay uh these are good another one number three we're gonna say here sebastian vettel um when he had something loose between his (laughs) legs i think is there's something loose between my legs apart from the obvious so something flying around my feet Okay, copy. Yeah. Around my feet, I mean, I'd be proud if it was what you think it is, but it's not. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, it's a... <laughs> this is the best one, man. I mean, yeah, it's the great. Engi- it's the engineer laughs. The engineer <laughs> gets a laugh okay, out of the engineer, which, <laughs> which you don't always get. Yeah. It also goes, uh, I would be proud 
yeah. a great. Yeah, he like realizes, oh, what I said was actually kind of funny. Aside from the <laughs> obvious, aside from the obvious, it's it's got layers. It keeps going. You don't you know what it is is you don't see many extended bits. Maybe exactly you see a funny right. line, but you don't see many people like continue to extend the joke. I think this would have made the list if he just says, "There's something loose between my legs." No, then he that says, would be a aside funny thing from that the he obvious, said, I would be proud. Between my legs. <laughs> if it's just that, it's funny. It's just funny. But the fact that he's going 200 miles an hour and like <laughs> continuing to do jokes, yeah, tough it's to be. Good. He's a gem. I wish he's a funny he, guy. I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna miss him. I'm gonna miss him. Okay. Danny, Danny Rick's got a couple in here that we like. Uh, one that we saw kind of the the second coming of this weekend, which is Danny gets a penalty, is in a bind, and what does he do? He drives faster. That I'll drive faster. <laughs> that was the way uh. that, that he got a five second penalty back when he was with Renault, and you know had to get uh, out of the penalty in order to uh, the the get away from the cars behind him in order to keep his spot. Exact same thing that happened this weekend. And the last two, I think we have, we don't have clips for, um, there may be just because, I mean, they didn't come mid race. There might be somewhere out on the mm-hmm. internet. There might be clips of them saying it, but the first one is also Danny Rick, which I tried to look up. This immediately came to mind and I knew Daniel had said it. And then I was like, is he truly the originator of it? <laughs> And I tried to search around, and most people seemed to claim he is, in fact, the first person to say this in after the uh, – I was it the Chinese Grand Prix? I think it was the 2018 Chinese Grand Prix. He had done a number of very impressive overtakes in order to take the win, and he famously afterwards said, you know, you've got, you got to lick the stamp and send it. Or you got to lick it. it and send it, I think is what he said. But the, you got to lick, which now people, you hear people, which is, by the way, terrific. Yeah. Terrific oh, phrase. Yeah. I, I mean, it, I, I don't, I can't imagine, I mean, if he did come up with it, it's great. Even I, if he I, didn't, Yeah, honestly, great. like, <laughs> we're sending things in the no dunk slack all the time. I didn't know that we were doing it because of Daniel Ricciardo. Lick the stamp I see and the send Southern it. Charm gentlemen always say, send it! We're having a full send party! Full You're send. telling me that Daniel Ricciardo invented sending? Wait, not that's full crazy. send. No, that's gotta be... Wow. You think that predates Daniel Ricciardo? I don't know. This, 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 the entire idea that, that lick, the, lick the stamp and send it, you hear that a lot in F1, yeah. right? And now people say it a lot. And I would have said, because there's full send that's like a ski reference or yeah. other stuff, right? Like an, an extreme sports reference? Yeah, yeah. But I think uh, to me now, sending it or a full send means going extreme in whatever you're doing. So like if me and you are having a heated argument, we're sending it podcast stuff. But I think full send and and lick it and send it are two different things. You're probably right. I think that like they have two different origins. Okay, I'm seeing a full send here snowboarding from 2015. Well, de- yeah. Got to pre- I would <laughs> definitely proceed to, but I also think they kind of like developed cuz I don't think full send is a reference like the mail. Okay. Right? I don't know. I don't know what we're sending. In general. Well, when you lick it, you lick the stamp and send it. Like you send the – Yeah, 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 yeah. You're sending it out there. I just feel like sending it is put a stamp on it. it. Yeah. Yeah, Do it to it. Okay. (laughs) I don't know. I was still just surprised that that the – seemingly the internet thought that this 
originated with Danny Rick. With I remember he famously it. said it. It's like I knew he had said it, but I didn't – I wouldn't have said, oh, he's the first to say it. So – there's no way we'll ever know. We'll never we'll know. We'll never be able to crack the case on that one. My favorite uh, F1 quote is anytime they say full beans on the broadcast, which is every time now. They're going yeah. out of their way to say it. So thank you to the Formula One. Brundle especially. He says it every time. Brundle especially yeah. likes to say it. He maybe invented it. We don't know. Who? We don't know. I, I would love for a listener to get to the bottom of the first time full beans was used i would also love that as a phrase one last question okay. quick one wait one last quote one last quote we okay, do have yeah. one, wait, no, we you're do, right one last quote we do have one more quote because we would be remiss not to mention the most famous quote in f1 history which is Ayrton senna saying to jackie i believe to jackie stewart who was interviewing him at the time saying you know if you don't go for a gap you're no longer a racer in reference to him driving into Alan Prost at the at Suzuka um and winning the world title by crashing them both out oh, of the right. race. Yes. Um yes, this yes, is yes. what the quote is in reference to and him saying if you no longer go for a gap that exists you're no longer a racing driver is has to be mentioned as you know the most famous quote in the history of the sport. Yeah, I think it's surprising that they usually cut out the ending where he says and I just full on sent it. And I just, yeah, that's why. <laughs> that's a full send from me, Ayrton Senna. And it's, yeah. Okay. Why does it feel like Formula One is always dynasties, writes Hunter Tip on Twitter. Doesn't look like there's ever really a Mavericks underdog run for the championship. Is this true? First of all, it's not 100% true. There have been, as uh, our good friend says, Maverick underdog runs for the championship. Yeah. Most notably, probably most famously, Braun GP. Yeah, have you told us about um, Which we've heard about. And, I, and I, I guess there's a Keanu Reeves documentary about coming out about. Isn't okay. that the one there is? Somebody's oh, making yeah, it. Oh, yeah, it is. Yeah, And it's right. Keanu Reeves is the guy mm-hmm. doing it. So you'll all hear that story soon enough. So that happened, and that was definitely a fluke year, a fluke on so many levels and cool. However, you are right. This is a sport that is very prone to dynasties you know you've seen williams dynasties mclaren dynasties ferrari dynasties red bull dynasties and most recently mercedes dynasties and i think that's because they of you see those tend to come in when there's a big regulatory shift a big regulatory change and somebody and the reality is is that there's huge advantage to solving that regulatory puzzle faster than other people because it means that then you're continually incrementally improving from a place of real pace rather than just trying to get back to par so whoever is first past the pole in terms of cracking the code of the new regs every time there's a big change has a huge strategic advantage during the remainder of that window you know that this is for for uh, Mercedes, it was the hybrid engine era and the introduction of that. Obviously, these new regulations, we've seen Red Bull have a huge shift in it. So I think there's and, – and if you look back, often these eras correspond more tightly with a regulatory change than they do with like the introduction of like a net new driver. Now, you do tend to have a driver – you know, Lewis, Vettel, Schumacher, et cetera, as, associated with these periods, but you know that – it's it, it really is probably the true secret sauce is the team nailing yeah the setup so or nailing the 
the engineering. So should if that's the case, should I therefore be encouraged, if I'm a Mercedes fan, that they've been good in the second half of the season? Like, is yeah. there some sort of a carryover from end-of-the-year improvement to the next season? 100% in this season, mm-hmm. and you saw that actually from 20. 20- 20 to 2021 as well with like Red Bull definitely had a strong end of the year and then came out very strong the next year um and I also don't think though that the takeaway has to be well well that's let's just presume Red Bull's gonna win and Max is gonna win every title from here on out until the next large (laughs) regulatory shift which there is some expected updates you know in like I think 2026 or something like that right that they're planning for but I don't think it's as simple as that because there are so many more competitive controls now like the cost cap and other things like that right that are meant to be restrictive and create more parity than we've seen in the past i also think that a lot of these titles were or a lot of these periods of dominance there it's it looks very dominant looking back and in real time it was often closer than it was perceived to be. Ferrari got very, very – oftentimes, funnily enough, except for the Schumacher Rears, it is Ferrari getting shockingly close and then blowing it at the last moment. What? They no seem way. to be the ones That's that crazy. always do this. They did it against Red Bull. They did it against Mercedes. They did other things. So they're the ones that help uh, on paint this picture. But <laughs> you're not wrong that – it is, and it's it's mostly because of the regulatory nature of the sport. Yeah, it's tough to be the underdog and having to win enough times and perform as well enough times for an entire season. That's why, to me, like, underdog championships are like Pierre Gasly winning at Monza in 2020 or Esteban Ocon in Hungary in 2021, where you're like, this team should not be a race winner. Everything clicked the right way. They took home uh, the top spot on the podium. You you definitely used to see it a little bit more often where there were bigger – where you've seen it when you've seen it is that there's some loophole in the regs that nobody has seen and it's not a top team that realizes it first. And they are so far out in front of that that they come out – they come out of nowhere – with some pace that nobody anticipated. Um, You know, that has been, uh, you know, that's a, that's definitely where that tends to happen. Um, You know, so that's that, but it, it, you know, that's the other part about it is if you actually look back throughout history, the teams used to be smaller. They used to have fewer guys, smaller budgets. You know, you're talking about 20 guys in a shop building a car, things like that. Go back even further, you know, a dozen people. What These teams didn't used to be – now they're hundreds of people, sure. right? I mean, they're companies, right? Like putting these cars together. It used to be much smaller teams, which meant that there was – and one – an aero department was one guy. The engine department was one or two guys, right? It's not – now there's 30 people in an engine department or whatever, right? So long story short, does that mean that that – that there was less bandwidth overall, which meant you were just more likely like not every nook and cranny of the regulations was explored completely. Mm-hmm. And it was more likely that you might stumble upon some sort of, you know, loophole or some, you know, wiggle your way into some crag that you could then exploit. Nowadays, every team has so much depth, even like the lesser teams that they're looking at it so thoroughly. It's just, it's less likely there's going to be some huge pace-changing revelation that you come across that nobody else does. 
Got a suggestion here from Ilgvars in the Slipstream team who says, what about Fernando Alonso at Renault in 05 and 06? Underdog story? I mean, definitely. Surprise win at least? Surprise win at least. I mean, at the time, everybody would have said, I mean, I I mean, I, I can assure you at the time, everybody came into at least 05 saying Michael Schumacher is going to win sure. the title. Nobody thought, nobody thought, I, I, I imagine he was the overwhelming betting favorite. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah. But I also think Renault... We we don't think of Renault as a top team. You know, Renault and then now Alpine hasn't really competed in there. But actually, they are a, you know, a major auto manufacturer. They are a works team. They have a lot of resources, mm-hmm. and they were pouring a lot of resources in at the time. They did have some really incredible insights. And, and I will say the one thing, I will give Alonzo this. That was a little bit different than anybody else. Alonzo's driving style in particular and the really pointy way he goes through corner, things like that, changed, was so well suited to the regs at that time that he was the guy who could jump up and, and vie with Michael, which is was impressive. I mean, that's not a bad one. Even Michael's first championships with Benetton, um, Lewis's first championship with McLaren. I mean, these aren't slam dunk wins. Mm-hmm. These aren't slam dunk wins. They, they were just hard. look like it kind of. Because you look back and you say, well, that's an all-time great. Of, of course, course he did won. it. Yeah. But in actuality, those teams and those drivers at the time felt they were by no means the betting favorites coming into those seasons. Great questions. Great suggestion from you, Ilgvars, there in the Slipstream team. We're going to take one more break. And when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about the Brazilian Grand Prix. Back with no breaks, just looking at the Brooklyn Nets head coaching history records. Oh, what an wow. exciting ad break that was for us. Only got two races left in the Formula One season. We got a week off before we head to Interlagos for the Brazilian Grand Prix, where we've got a sprint race on our hands. Forgot, completely forgot about sprint races. <laughs> I, I also kind of completely forgot about sprint there races. There is one happening, not this coming weekend, but the next weekend. Until then, we're going to take a quick look at the standings and grading. <laughs> They're spooky. Oh, they oh, are spooky. Oh, yeah. Formula One, you silly guys. Axe Verstappen? Come on. Oh. Ferrari? What do you think is the best uh, spooky pun here? These came out on Halloween, obviously. <laughs> Wait, okay. Well, the I'm a big fan of hearse. It's simplicity, <laughs> and it's just like it's got, a good, that's pretty funny. Hearse is a good one. What I will say, what I think is, I, I I'm not a fan of Aston Departon. <laughs> I don't think that's actually yeah, that spooky. Yeah. That's spooky. Valterra Botas. Not bad. I don't hate it. I like Carlos Seance. It's pretty funny. Carlos Seance. And I think Possessed Devon Ocon is probably my favorite Possessed Devon Ocon is good. Yeah, there's, I mean, there's some, there's some good stuff in here. All right, so what are we still watching for in this here Formula One season? Here's what I've got written down. Ferrari versus Mercedes for P2. Correct. In the Monstructors Championship. <laughs> Who you got? You're going Ferrari. I think you're probably right. But it could be yeah. close going to Abu Dhabi. We'll see. Yeah. And we've also got... Alpine versus McLaren for P4 in the Constructors' Championship. There are also races for P6 and P8, but I – come on, man. I can't I can't go that deep in the standings. No. no sixth no, no. place? No. Yeah. Who you got? <laughs> Who you got in sixth place here? Wait, okay. What are we – The yeah. Werewolf, Werewolf Romeo. Versus Aston. Alpha looks good, better lately. Although Definitely. I say that, you know, um, Vettel had a great – 
drive in Austin, mm-hmm. but they they they. Botas though actually probably the fact that he got back up into the points and got tenth was uh with Alonso's failure was a good salvage for him because he actually probably had a disappointing race sure. after a really great qualifying starting sixth you, he probably should have finished higher but they you know I don't know they that's a tough one to say they've both been really inconsistent so it's really tough to predict yeah I guess we shall see but like I said that's not until next weekend what is that like the 11th through 13th I do believe something like that uh we were talking for next week's show we should maybe watch days of thunder and talk about that Ooh, talk about movie. talk about NASCAR we're back you know we've had a that's and we just had somebody NASCAR. could send it down the wall in days of thunder I don't remember I don't re- the details <laughs> at all except for there's a guy named Cole Trickle that could easily have been <laughs> right? just a clip from Days of Thunder, and I would have never known. Because I haven't trickle. seen okay. it in... Cole Trickle. Wow. <laughs> Wasn't there a, an trickle? actual... I think there's an actual NASCAR driver named Dick Trickle. I think there no. is. Okay, let's there see. There is. There is an American race car wow. driver, wow. Dick Trickle. And Dick Trickle preceded Cole Trickle. Probably his dad. So you, <laughs> I don't know exactly. But, but, I mean, Dick Trickle's old, right? Like, he, he was yes, around before yes. the movie came out. yes. So they knowingly named the guy Cole Trickle, knowing there had been a Dick Trickle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> you got it. You, you're exactly I guess I right. do got it. I you do, got I it. do, I do have it they all. They said Dick Trickle, figured good out. name. Cole I've got Trickle, it all great name. Figured out, my friend. Uh, but that's for next week. We'll watch Days of Thunder and talk about the Trickle family tree. Of course. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so tune in next week. We'll drop some info about when that's going to be. Probably Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern, if I were guessing. Probably. What else we got? Graydon, he's on Twitter, at Mr. Gordian. You said this week that you would pay $60 a year to be verified on Twitter. No, I was saying I wouldn't. I thought you said you would. No, I don't think I'm going to do you, it. I, don't I thought think you I said $60 was fine, but like $240, $20 a month too much. Well, $20 a month is too much, but then they came back and said it's going to be $5 a month, and I was like, actually, I don't think I want to do that either. $5 a month more reasonable. It, for me, the I'm verified my blue check. It's like it's a net negative for me. You think it's bad? Well, because so many people come up to me, and it, it really erodes my self-confidence. They say, like, you've got a blue check, and I've got to hear that. <laughs> I've got to hear that so often that I would say that for me, the blue check is a is a net negative. That's so awesome. I, I got it. Awesome. So I'm I'm happy to get rid of it. Fair enough. Fair enough. That's a good. That's a good way of looking at it. You have a blue check. Yeah. They don't know about forty-eight minutes of hell. It's condescending. They don't know about. They don't know. Bring it back, man. The Spurs yeah, are awesome now. The Spurs. Yeah, we are back. I that's think you should be a Spurs blogger again. You already got the blue Spurs check. Are back. What else we got? At No Dunks Inc. You ever heard of it? Great podcasting service. We usually talk about NBA basketball. You can follow us on any social media platform: TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and guess what? Stick around here because we're going to be doing a show in probably 24 minutes talking about Steve Nash and the Brooklyn Nets agreeing to part ways mm. early in the season here. <laughs> the Nets are back on track. No Nets problems. Nets are back, man. The Nets Problem had solved. one night of no drama, and they said, that's too much. That's too much. Let's fire our coach the next day. So that'll be happening soon. We got no dunks tomorrow, Thursday and Friday, 10 a.m. Eastern. No buffs Thursday, 1 p.m. Eastern. We're recording Is This Good at some point this week to drop a little bit later, but the big thing now is an emergency podcast. Can't wait, Clipper Bros. Wait, you like Clipper Bros or one of these other ones? Oh! Give me a loose hanging leg. There's a loose (laughs) hanging (laughs) leg. There's something loose between my legs. 
<laughs> I like it. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. <laughs> Thank you.